0: seated. Well, we're continuing our message series uh, this morning on prayer, and um, I've been a follower of Jesus Christ for over 47 years, and, and I still consider myself a learner when it comes to prayer. Uh, and this series is five weeks long and we won't be able to say all that could be said about prayer but my goal in the series and really for this whole year is that um, we would find that I would be able to find as many ways as possible to, to help us all uh, to have the desire and the confidence to pray more and um, last week we looked at the logo on the front of the battle plan for a prayer book this is the book that our Small groups are reading and studying together right now, and at the center of the logo is the cross. And Jesus made a way for us to have access to God, uh, and it's through Jesus Christ that, and His forgiveness, His mercy, that we are able to become children of God and have the confidence to go to God in prayer. And then that vertical relation, the vertical line represents our relationship with God. Prayer is talking with this God who loves us and wants to be known by us. And through prayer, we may, uh, he is able to form our character. He reveals his purposes and his plans for our lives and our churches. Um, we need God's forgiveness and mercy in our life when we fall short, and we, we get that when we go to him in prayer and confess. And that vertical relationship is essential to prayer. But you see there's another line in this logo, and that's the horizontal line across there. And that's the line that I want to talk about today. The horizontal line reminds us that we need not only to be in right relationship with God, but we need to be in right relationship with one another. And as each of us look at the scriptures, we'll see that when our relationships are out of kilter, when we're uh, not in good relationship with one another, it can hinder our prayers. So we're going to talk today about um, that, that piece of it. But on the flip side, when we're all headed in the same direction, when we have a sense of unity and purpose in our churches, and we're praying together and agreeing in prayer, then we can move mountains, and we're going to talk about that next week. So if you want to pull out your message notes, we're going to start by looking at some circumstances that we find in Scripture where our broken relationships can hinder our prayer. When I talk about hindering our prayer, I want to start, before we look at those hindrances, to talk about what it means when the Bible uh, says that our prayers are hindered. Now, If you think about the word hinder, to, to hinder is to hold back something, to restrain something. Uh, for example, when Jesus is uh, talking, the the disciples are not allowing the children to come to him, and he says, "Let the little children come to me, and hinder them not, because of such is the kingdom of heaven." So, uh, to hinder is to hold back, and and Jesus says, "Don't hold them back; uh, let them come." And, and that's what God wants of our prayers too—to to not hold them back, to let to let them to come, and um, and. Sometimes when our relationships are broken, we're angry with somebody, what do we do? We, we hold back our prayers, don't we? Our prayers are hindered by that broken relationship and our anger towards that person. Or we form prayers that are broken. We're praying that God will fix them, you know, instead of fixing us. And so um, the kind of prayer that's in line with God and what he wants to do in us is hindered by our brokenness. But we also see in Scripture that our prayers lose their power, that they're hindered from accomplishing what we ask and want because we aren't in right relationship with others. The The vertical relationship is affected by our horizontal relationship. And there are conditions and circumstances that God may choose not to answer specific prayers or Uh, uh, our prayers will be hindered on God's end. So we're going to look at three occasions when that can happen. So if you want to get your message notes out, we'll look at three hindrances to effective prayer. And the first one is our prayers can be hindered by unloving attitudes and actions towards others. You know, have you ever... Tried to pray when you're angry at somebody, and it just feels like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. Uh, and while we can be sure that God hears our prayers, there are times when He chooses not to heed or answer them. And one of those times is when our relationship with others isn't is not right. And an example that we see of this in Scripture uh, is in 1 Peter chapter 3. And in this Chapter Peter mentions prayer two times, and both times they have something in common. And I want to look at those, and then we'll talk about what they have in common. The first um, passage is in First Peter three, verse seven. He's prior to this, he starts out the chapter talking to the wives. Okay, so he's he's already dealt with them, told them to love and respect their husbands. But then he says this. He says, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. And treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. And that's very important. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. So here we're talking about husbands and wives and their need to love and respect each other. The, you know, uh, this is true for wives just as much as for husbands. Uh, it, your prayers will be hindered if you're not treating your husband with respect and love. Then the very next verse... He goes on to speak to all believers. And he says, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. And then in verse 9, he goes on and talks about how we must turn from evil and do good and seek peace and pursue it. And then he gives us this in verse 12, and, and this is why we need to do that. He says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So Peter is uh, pointing to a biblical principle here, and I put it there as kind of the takeaway or the focus in your message notes, and that is that there are occasions when the power of our prayers hinges on the strength of our relationships. There are occasions when the power and effectiveness of our prayers hinges on the strength of our relationships. And and we see another example of this um, in the story of Jacob and Leah and Rachel. Uh, Jacob had two wives. Yay, Uh, exciting. (laughs) But it says that Rachel he loved and Leah he didn't. And God saw the way that he was treating Leah, and he began to bless Leah, right? He gave her son after son. And he blesses her when Jacob won't. But Rachel wants children very badly too, and she's not having any children. She gets angry with Jacob. She says to him, Give me children or I will die. I mean, she's very desperate. And Jacob became angry with her, and he said, Am I in the place of God who has kept you from having children? So uh, all of Jacob's prayers for a child, Rachel's prayers, had no effect because the relationship with Leah was displeasing to God. And, And this illustrates another truth as well, that God can choose to bless you in any area of your life while withholding blessing in another area, um, he was blessing Jacob with sons through Leah. He was blessing Jacob's flocks. I mean, his sheep and his goats were multiplying. God had a plan for Jacob's life, and he was carrying out that plan. Uh, he, he, his plan was that he, you know, would be the father of of generations and n- numerous. You know, Jesus was going to be his descendant. So he hadn't given up on Jacob, but he was. He was working those things out, but he was also uh, not going to allow this kind of treatment with Leah to go unnoticed. And there are occasions when the power of your prayer hinges on the strength of your relationship. This is true of husbands and wives. This is true of all believers. It's true in the church. Uh, And so God loves people and his children are to be like him. How we treat Others directly affects our fellowship with the Holy Spirit. For one thing, um, uh, when we're disrespectful and unloving towards others, the Holy Spirit's going to convict you of that. Have you ever experienced that? I mean, you have an argument with your husband or something, and or your wife, and you can't sit there very long before you need to go and make it right with them, and that's the Holy Spirit working in you. But if you block that, if you ignore those prom- promptings, Uh, to make things right, that can harm your relationship with God. And God wants you to sincerely care about pleasing him with your life and living in relationship with others in ways that keep that communication with him open. And and these are people that Jesus died for, so we need to remember that. Then Jesus talks very clearly about how holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness uh, hinders our prayers. And That's the second uh, hindrance to prayer, withholding forgiveness and allowing bitterness to grow. And, And Jesus was very clear about this. Every week, including today, right, we say the Lord's Prayer, and we say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, right? In Matthew five twenty-three and 24, Jesus says this. He says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, uh, you're coming with your offering, whatever, and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, then leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First go and make it right with your brother or your, your sister, and then come and give your gift. It's almost as if your gift's not going to have any effect while there's still this brokenness. And he was essentially saying that we need to do our best to make things right with anyone who's wronged us uh, because it affects our relationship with God. I wonder if anybody saw this story in the news a couple of weeks ago, this couple. They lost uh, $5.7 million in a lawsuit. And it began on an ordinary day in Irvine, Irvine California. Uh, Jill Easter, the woman on the right there, uh, she went to pick up her son at school. When she got there, he wasn't where he normally was, so she asked the PTA um, president who was supervising the children where he was, and she said she wasn't uh, sure. He probably was slow getting into line. Well, uh, Miss Easter took offense at this, claiming that Kelly Peters uh, was calling her son slow, meaning her in in his intelligence. She got very angry with her that day uh, through a fuss, and it ended with her saying, I will get you. And that's what she set out to do. Over the next year, Jill Easter and her husband, the couple on the screen, both lawyers... They, they owned a uh, law practice together, we're partners in the law f- firm, put in motion a string of attempts to get this PTA president. And the first thing they did, they wrote the principal calling for him to fire this volunteer uh, a person from this volunteer position. That didn't work, so they circulated a letter amongst the parents saying that she had left their son unsupervised and now he's having these anxiety attacks. And uh, that got no response. So Jill Easter actually filed a lawsuit claiming that um, Peters, Kelly Peters, had threatened her and tried to kill her. Um, When the police followed up on that, they didn't find any evidence for it. It was getting them nowhere. So in 2011, this is a year later, they decide to plant drugs in her car and so uh, they go at night to her home they plant drugs in her car then the next day um the police get a call and the guy on the other end of the line says that they saw somebody driving erratically in the school parking lot they thought it was a woman named uh kelly so the police go there and they get go get miss peters and bring her out and make her empty the contents of her car onto her uh... trunk and lo and behold there in the seat pocket was some marijuana and some vicodin and some percocet and uh... so this poor pta uh... president she breaks down crying you know these are not mine and this is in front of other teachers other uh... her own daughter was there She gets hauled off to the police station, questioned for two hours, um, and finally uh, someone from the school calls and says, look, we've got witnesses. She was not in the parking lot at all, all day, and wasn't driving her car. So the police are kind of baffled by this, and they ask her, is there anyone who would want to frame you like this? (laughs) Why, yes. (laughs) Yes. So they do some investigating. They discover that the call was made from the motel across the street from their law office. They go to the motel. They have videotape of him walking across, making the phone call at the exact same time that this call was placed. So long story short, Mr. and Mrs. Easter lost their license to practice law, They were found guilty of fraudulent arrest and told to pay Kelly Peters $5.7 million. All that loss because they wouldn't let go of a a small slate. That just seems crazy to us, doesn't it? Uh, Who would do such a thing and put so much at risk? And yet Jesus says... That That's us sometimes. And he tells a story uh, not too different from this. It's a story of a man who owed his master a tremendous amount of money and 10,000 bags of gold, it says, which somebody's estimated, it wasn't me, but was the equivalent of 160,000 years' salary for an average Joe guy. So a lot of money he owes. And the day came when the master decided he's going to, Uh, Subtle accounts, and he brings this debtor in, and the master uh, asks him for this tremendous amount to be paid back. Orders the man and his wife and his children and all he owns sold when he can't do it, and he has him thrown. uh, Told tells them to throw him in prison, but this servant gets down on his knees and he begs him. He says, "You know, give me time. I'll pay it back." And um, the servant's master was so moved by that, he took pity on him, and he canceled the debt. He didn't just say, okay, I'll give you a few more weeks. He, he just canceled it, and that, pretty amazing, right? And so he heads home to tell his worried wife, but on the way home, he comes across a guy who owes him a small and significant amount of money, and instead of passing on that good grace, an the Amber Alert or something here, <laughs> Um, He grabs the guy by the collar, and he demands that he pay up. And the fellow can't do it, so he has him and his wife, uh, his children, all thrown into prison. When the master hears about it, he calls the 10,000 bags of gold that are back in. And this is what he says to him. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I've had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay it all back. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And, you know, I, I think that we can see what a huge mistake uh, the lawyer couple made by holding on to that grudge and rather than choosing to forgive, but we're slower to see the spiritual effects of unforgiveness. Jesus says there's eternal loss and and that that loss is great. So if you're holding on to um, a grudge or anger or hurt, I would encourage you to let it go. You're only hurting yourself in the end. We're called to forgive as we've been forgiven. And our, our prayer for forgiveness is hindered when we refuse to forgive others. And then um, our prayers can be hindered when we don't seek forgiveness for our sins, and that's the third uh, way that our prayers are hindered. They're hindered by unconfessed sin. It it takes humility to admit that we've messed up, but God knows already anyway, so we should go to him and acknowledge your fault and seek forgiveness quickly. Uh, King David points to the importance of this when he's talking about and rejoicing over God's answering his prayer. It's in Psalm 66. He says, Come and hear, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he's done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. Praise be to God, who has rejected my prayer who has not rejected my prayer or withheld his love from me. God loves you. He loves the people around you. He wants you to live in right relationship with one another. And our memory verse comes from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and 18. We've been looking at that over the last couple of weeks. But in the context of that, the verses just prior to that, Paul encourages the church Uh, in their relating with one another. He says in verse uh, 13, to live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. So he's saying, speak to the truth and love to each other so that there is harmony and unity and peace in your church. Then he says, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do good for each other and for everyone else. So he's instructing them and us how to live in right relationship because the horizontal relationship has an impact on the vertical relationship with God. And then Paul goes on, and this is our memory verse for the series. Let's read it together. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5, 13. It's actually 16 and 18, sorry. Wrong numbers up there. Last week of the series, we're going to say it without the words, okay? So, I mean, you've had five weeks. So, Whatever the circumstances, though, uh, Paul is calling us to find reason to jo- rejoice in it, uh, to pray continually about it and to give thanks in all circumstances if we'll just give thanks whatever the circumstances instead of you know uh, trying to plant drugs on somebody (laughs) keep our focus on God trust him to work it all together for good Um, he'll do that let's pray together Lord God we thank you for loving us we thank you for forgiving us and um boy, we we needed it, God. Um, we're thankful for your mercies that are new every morning and how you give us a fresh start every day, God, and help us to live that way with one another, to always be forgiving, to overlook offenses, to be kind, patient with one another, and God, to honor you and glorify you in all that we do. We thank you that you're a God who hears and answers prayer and help us to grasp hold of that so that we can live in right relationship with one another and see a big movement of God in our lives. And that's what we're going to talk about next week, God, and I pray that you'll be with us this week as we get our hearts ready to hear that message from you. We ask it in Jesus' name.